Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Shay Holbrook from Larson Motorsports, Jet Dragster Driver in the IHRA Nitro Jam Drag Racing Series, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on Speedway Digest Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the May 3rd edition of Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder, the most hardcore motorsports program on the internet. This is episode 136 of the series, and I'd like to apologize for a little bit of delay, but we appear to have a little bit of a computer issue this evening. Hopefully it's worked itself out now. I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program, Michael Mullally and myself will be reviewing the Four Wide Nationals, talking a bit of NASCAR and ARCA, and reviewing whatever other motorsports action pops into the conversation. His first our victory. Um, oh, shoot. Ah, sorry, I'm still finding the shit. Okay. One week after earning the first number one qualifier of his career in Houston, Jose Gonzalez notched his first career victory in the E3 Spark Club's NHRA Pro Mod Drag Racing Series, presented by JNA Service Portion of the NGK Spark Club's NHRA Four Wide Nationals at ZMAX Dragway. This weekend's Pro Mod Racing, presented by Alanati Performance, was the third of 12 events this season. Gonzalez ran a 5.743 second pass to 254.09 miles per hour in his Chevrolet Q80 Camaro to take down Steve Jackson, Ricky Smith, and Brandon Snyder in the final round. Gonzalez became the first Dominican board driver during a victory at the NHRA national event with his triumph in Charlotte. After a first-round exit in Gainesville, Gonzalez notched his first number one qualifier in Houston before being eliminated in the quarterfinals. He leaves Charlotte fourth in the point standings as Smith and Jackson currently lead the class through three events. Steve Torrance raced to the top fuel victory Sunday at the ninth annual NGK Spark Plugs and HRA Four Wide Nationals at ZMAX Dragway. Cruz Hedragon, Funny Car, Erica Anders Pro Stock, and Jerry Savoy Pro Stock Motorcycle were also winners in their respective categories at the sixth event on the 2018 NHRA Mellow Yellow Drag Racing Series schedule. Torrance piloted his Capco Contractors Dragster through a 3.813-second pass at 326.56 miles per hour as he became the first driver to reach three victories on the season. He defeated Doug Coletta, Terry McMillan, and Clay Milliken in the final round for his 19th career win and second at ZMAX Dragway. With the victory, Torrance moves back in the sole position possession of the top field points leader after entering Charlotte in first place tied with Tony Schumacher, who was eliminated in the first round. Pendragon ran a 4.059 at 310.84 miles per hour in his snap-on tools Toyota Camry for his 36th career victory and first since Englishtown in 2014. After qualifying sixth for the event, he was able to knock off 16-time playing car world champion John Force, Tommy Johnson Jr., and number one qualifier, Courtney Force, in the final round during the victory. This was Pedregon's 36th career funding car win, moving him past the legendary John Prudhomme into sole possession of fifth place for all time. In, in pro stock, Enders picked up her 23rd career victory and second win in Charlotte with a 6.535 at 212.73 miles per hour in her Melling Performance Elite Motorsport Chevrolet Camaro. 
She took down Vincent Nobile, Chris McGehey, and number one qualifier Drew Skillman in the final round to lock down her first victory since Epping in 2017. Jerry Savoy emerged victorious in the Pro Stock Motorcycle Class as he earned his ninth career victory and first at Z-Max Dragway when he ran a 6.784 at 195.73 on his white alligator racing Suzuki in the final round. He bested Andrew Hines, Scotty Polachek, and Matt Smith in the final round to lock down his first victory since Brainerd last season. The 2018 NHRA Mellow Yellow Drag Racing Series continues with the NHRA Southern Nationals, powered by Mellow Yellow, Atlanta Dragway in Atlanta, Georgia, from May 4th through the 6th. The E3 Spark Plugs NHRA Pro Mod Drag Racing Series, presented by JNA Service, continues at the Emmett Nards NHRA Heartland Nationals, presented by Minties in Tobey, Kansas, on May 18th through the 20th. We are now pleased to welcome Pro Stock driver Jed Coughlin Jr. back into the Thunderdome. Hey there, how are you doing, doing this evening? I'm doing fantastic, doing well. thanks. Awesome. It seems like the NHRA is embracing four-wide racing. How do you feel about the spectacle this form of racing creates? It's it's pretty wild. i, I got to admit, uh, you know, looking through my father's scrapbook uh, from the early 60s at Dragway 42, seeing some four-wide racing was, was really cool, but uh, in my lifetime, I've never seen it uh, until – Bruton Smith created it uh, there at Charlotte, and uh, and then here recently uh, again at at Las Vegas. So I think it's fun. I mean, it's it's definitely uh, sensory overload without question. I mean, there's a lot going on in a very short period of time, but uh, it is uh, you know as a fan of the sport, you know when you watch four top field dragsters uh, stage up and you know nearly forty thousand horsepower, you know uh, accelerate down through the, the thousand foot racetrack it's uh it's exhilarating so and from my perspective being behind the wheel in a pro stock car you know going zero to 206 seconds with uh three other competitors next to you it's uh it's definitely a rush and and uh, without question you got to be on your toes to be able to uh you know light the wind lights up and and uh challenge for the race wins after the induction of fuel injection into the series, it seemed like there was only one team that had a handle in the package, and it wasn't yours. This season seems to be a bit more evenly matched, especially with the, the win this past weekend with your, your teammate, Eric Anders. Um, yeah. how, do you think the, uh, how do you think the health of the pro stock class is this year? I know there's been some issues recently. Yeah, no, it's, it's been in pretty good health, honestly. Uh, you know, the first year for the fuel injection in 2016, uh, uh was definitely a challenging season for most of the teams. As you mentioned uh, a moment ago, the KB team was, they were very dominant uh, that whole season in 16, uh, 17, the playing field uh, leveled quite a bit, but they uh, still found themselves at the top uh, come the end of the season and, and uh, in the championship points. And this year is definitely uh, more teams have, have uh, become more competitive with, with the new package, uh, Goodyear's new tire and, um, you know, the last three races have been won by uh, teammates of mine with, with Vincent Nobile in Vegas, uh, Matt Hartford in Houston, and, and now Erica's uh, latest win at the four wide. So uh, hopefully I'm next in line to uh, receive that uh, Wally. Now, but in all seriousness, uh, we've, we've got a really good program right now. Our horsepower, uh, our engineers have been working really hard on, on uh, refining the power and uh, making uh, the best use of it uh, with the crew chiefs at the track and, uh, I feel really good behind the wheel. So, uh, you know, being here at Atlanta Dragway, one of my favorite uh, stops on the tour is is, uh, is a fun event, and uh, every round's going to count. It's going to take uh, a dogfight to, to be hoisting the Wally come Sunday evening. So uh, we definitely want to be that uh, that team doing 
doing that. And what are your goals for this season? Our goals are, one, uh, you know, to kind of rebuild our foundation. Uh, we, we've had a rough uh, rough season last year uh, when we switched from Dodge to Chevrolet and, and uh, didn't expect that, quite frankly, because uh, we really had the horsepower there under the hood. But uh, our, our chassis management, our power management was just uh, just not showing favor uh, for us. So, um, you know, our goals this year were to put ourselves back in contention to qualify in the top eight. Uh, challenge for round wins and obviously uh, race wins to boot. So, uh, you know, those are our immediate goals. Uh, secondary goal is, you know, to make the top 10 in the countdown uh, as we head out of Indy over Labor Day weekend in September uh, and be ready for the final six race stretch of our uh, countdown to one uh, Mellow Yellow Championship. So, uh, our ultimate goal is. is to remain uh, and call our way back to the top and finish uh, as, as world champions. So uh, we've got some work to do, but I uh, feel like it's not out of reach. We touched on that a, a minute ago, but uh, how do you feel about going into, do you feel confident heading into Atlanta this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, with, with my, with our recent resurgence uh, ran really, really well in, uh, in Houston uh, two weeks ago. Uh, qualified number two and uh, advanced to the semifinals. We just got a little too aggressive and, and uh, had some tire shake there. But uh, my teammate, uh, who was next to me, Matt Hartford, uh, went on to defeat uh, Erica in the final, my other teammate. So uh, the elite team right now is very strong. Uh, we, we've uh, looks like we've weathered the storm of, uh, of some of the troubles we've uh, faced in the last year or so. And uh, I feel like our, our chances to uh, compete for a Wally this weekend are, are very, very good. And, uh, and from behind the wheel, I've, I've been very confident and, and uh, racing pretty aggressively. So uh, that's what it's going to take to get it done. I know your whole family is pretty much involved in racing now, but how do you balance family racing and your business commitments with Jake's? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been a lifetime of uh, experience. So, uh, you know, it seems pretty second nature, you know, I'll be 48 uh, this summer and, and uh, growing up in, in the performance business of Jigs, uh, growing up around the racetracks and, and, and later becoming, uh, you know, getting behind the wheel of uh, bracket cars and super class cars and, and then ultimately uh, landed uh, in the late 90s into a pro stock car. Uh, it, it is a balance, but, uh, you know, we've, we've got uh, great team members that, uh, you know, are taking care of quite a bit of the effort on the track side and, and back home in Delaware, Ohio at uh, our JEGS headquarters. We've got a great team there that, uh, you know, are servicing, uh, you know, well over a million and a half packages a year that uh, get sent out globally. Uh, that both are very, very uh, uh, important to us as a family. And, and uh, we, we try and execute uh, in both businesses uh, to perfection and, and, uh, and enjoy it. Well, thank you very much, and I'd now like to throw you out to my co-host, Michael Mullally, who has a couple of questions for you as well. Right on. Thanks. So can you tell us what a typical race weekend looks like for you? Sure. Uh, you know, in the Mellow Yellow series, we the races are typically all three-day events, uh, with the exception of the U.S. Nationals, uh, our granddaddy of them all, our Super Bowl race. But uh, uh, for the other 23 races, uh Fridays, there are two professional qualifying sessions, typically a late uh, late afternoon and an evening session for pro-stock uh, funny car fuel and also pro-stock bikes when they are there. Uh, 
Um, so we have two runs for qualifying Friday, uh, usually a noon and three o'clock run on Saturdays at most of the venues uh, to round out the four qualifying sessions. Uh, the top 16 cars are then uh, seated in one through 16 for Sunday's uh, final elimination day. And, and uh, there's four rounds of competition that typically starts at 11 a.m. with top fuel, then to funny car, then to pro stock. And uh, after the last pro stock car goes down the track, about 70 minutes later, uh, we're going down the track again. So uh, it's uh, Sunday is definitely our fun day. And, uh, and the day we look forward to uh, forward to the most, because uh, that's our game day. So um, a typical weekend is, is those three days. And, uh, you know, for the teams, most of the teams show up uh, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning for setup. Uh, we've already done most of our homework, uh, if not all of the homework, uh, back in the shop uh, before we get to the event so that we're really just setting up. Uh, the crew chiefs can uh, kind of hone in on their gearing packages based on what the weather and the track looks like uh, Thursday, Thursday night, going into Friday, and, and then uh, just kind of execute through the weekend. Uh, for this week, uh, this is our final race in a three-race stretch, so most of the teams will uh, – you know, return back to home bases after Sunday, and and uh, we'll pick it back up uh, in two weeks in Topeka, Kansas. So, I mean, obviously your family is really heavily involved in racing. At what point, like, did you know that racing is 100% what you wanted to do? Uh, I was pretty young. I mean, you know, being the age I am, born in 1970, you know, there wasn't a junior drag racing program. So, um, you know, you had to have a legal uh, driver's license to be able to start competing. And uh, it was a couple of years before I turned 16, I was able to get on track and compete a couple of times. And and uh, I knew at that point I was uh, I was pretty well hooked. And I started in bracket racing, uh, you know, which is uh, ET racing, which uh, happens at uh, most of your re- uh, local tracks around the country on either a Friday night, a Saturday night, or a Sunday. And uh, really uh, – Still, bracket racing is my first love. I mean, the Mellow Yellow series that I race pro stock in certainly is is amazing. Uh, but uh, you know, the challenges of, of bracket racing are extremely uh, uh, still very appealing to me, and, and uh, I look forward to getting back to it uh, more in the future. Can you explain to us what it feels like to make a perfect pass down the drag strip? Well, typically. Uh, I would say the the perfect pass down the the drag strip is a very uneventful, smooth trip down the track. So uh, with that said, you know, in pro stock, you know, we've got almost 14, working on 1,500 horsepower, and we have a five-speed transmission in the car. So once we leave the starting line, we shift gears about every second to first four seconds, and on a perfect pass, I mean, there's almost no blemish in the steering wheel. You're not working any input into the steering wheel as far as, you know, keeping the car straight. Uh, from the seat of the pants, there's not a whole lot of distortion uh, or tire shake, uh, not only accelerating as the clutch locks up in low gear, but also in, in as you change gears in second, third, fourth, and fifth accordingly. Uh, so that perfect run is, is typically uh, extremely smooth and uh, pretty much uh, – feels effortless and uh that's that's the way you like them and my final question for you this evening i'm sure you have a thousand different ways you can answer this question but what is your favorite racetrack memory 
my favorite racetrack that I go to? No, your, or memory. your favorite racetrack memory. Oh, man, there's, yeah, no question. And I'll start with uh, my thousand favorite memory. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know, uh, <laughs> you know, so many of my memories uh, evolve around, uh, you know, uh, racing with family, my family, and, and, uh, and making it to the winter circle because that's your ultimate goal week in and week out. But, uh, you know, probably one of the most cutthroat uh, memories that I recall in, in my career was 2007, the first year of the Bella Yellow NHRA Countdown to One. There was four cars running for the World Championship on the final day of Pomona, uh, final race, the final day of the season. And uh, we found ourselves in third place. Uh, uh, Dave Conley and Greg Anderson went out first round in front of me before I had an opportunity to run first round. And, uh, you know the the reality of of uh, the championship was now in in our uh, within our reach and within our control now, and uh, you know we had to win the first round uh, to still be in contention, and then we had to win the second round to win the world championship, and and that was uh, probably the single most uh, amazing day uh, from behind the wheel for me, and uh, we were able to, as you can tell by the tone of the story, able to uh, execute properly and and uh, win that 2007 championship. So uh, that, that's probably my most memorable, I would say. How do you feel about the, the fact that Dregs is going on to, to bigger and better things by sponsoring the NHRA Miller Yellow Drag Racing event at Route 66 at the end of May? Well, we're, we're really proud of it. Uh, you know, we've, it's really an extension of our relationship with NHRA. We've, we've had a longstanding standing uh, relationship as a business, uh, you know, uh, supporting our local division three races, supporting local racetracks around the country, uh, to the Jake's all-star event, which is also held at, uh, at, uh, the Chicago race. So, um, you know, the Jake sports nationals also, which is, uh, the single highest, uh, sportsman event that uh, Bowling Green conducts. So we've had a, uh, lot of, of uh, great uh, times with the NHRA and, and fun racing in, the, in, in some of our own races. And I think the extension of uh, the Navy 66 uh, race as the Jigs race is, uh, is very exciting for us. So uh, we're, we're going to have a huge weekend uh, there with uh, the Jigs All-Stars going on on Saturday. And then obviously the, uh, the Mellow Yellow Series uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So uh, it, it's uh we're we're very excited about it, and uh, we're also uh, my nephew is uh, racing in the Jigs 200 tomorrow night in uh, Dover, Delaware, in the uh, no, uh, the Camping World. I'm sorry, the Camping World Truck Series at, uh, in NASCAR. So uh, we, we've had a lot a lot of great things that uh, we've expanded on here in the last couple of months, and and uh, looking to continue to uh, you know build the brand, the Jigs brand, and, and uh, service our a million to customers worldwide. Well, that's awesome, and it's great to great to see all the all the amazing things that Dregs is doing in motor racing now. It's a uh, it's pretty cool to see the name out there, and hopefully you have a a long successful career both yourself and for your family. Yeah, we uh, we definitely uh, have been blessed, and our father Jake was uh, is an amazing person. He just turned eighty this past March, and and uh, we've had a lot of fun. Uh, in, in the business together, a lot of fun in the family, and, and a ton of fun in the racing world. So, uh, you know, we're as a second generation uh, uh, family business, uh, 
know, we're we're looking to extend uh, well into the seventy and eighty year uh, terms as we as we move forward. Well, thank thanks again for coming on the program tonight, and good luck this weekend and and for the rest of the season. It's my pleasure uh, anytime, and hope the uh, listeners enjoyed. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Take care. You too. Once again, that was Jeg Coughlin, Jr., and we're very pleased to have him on the show this evening. And Jegs is doing a lot of amazing things in bar sports, as you just heard, with the Jegs 200 this, this weekend and the uh, the Jegs NHRA event coming up at the end of the month. So it's pretty cool. Moving on to to other competition, round one of the 2018 Trans Am West Coast Championship, now in its second year. The Dow Club Speedway yielded plenty of first-time visitors across its victors across its four classes, with new names and new teams laying down initial claims on the West Coast Championship. First-time victor Thomas Morell would capture for the TA2 class an overall victory, while Trans Am debutant Tim Adelson took the TA class win, defending TA3 class West Coast champ Ollie Thorderson was the only previous winner to secure Transam silverware, while Don Dane Smith and the number 29 Bob Smith Motors Ford Mustang became a first-time winner in TA4. Merrill in the number 81 Big Deal Racing Ford Mustang began the race on pole for TA2 and was able to pull ahead of the number 24 Portland Implant Dentistry Ford Mustang of Brad McAllister. Merrill would hold the lead through the race's only full-course caution, spanning 17 laps, Spang laps 17 through 21, excuse me, to recover the number eight Gaucher Chevrolet Corvette of then race leader Tommy Dreesey stopped at pit in. With Dreesey out of the race, Merrill inherited the overall lead when when he won, he would hold at the restart and through the remainder of the 36 lap, 100.8 mile competition, becoming the first TA2 competitor to secure an overall victory in Trans Am competition since Bob Stretch at Lime Rock Park in 2013. The opening round victory is the first of Merrill's two-race Trans Am career and his second West Coast podium, following up a strong third-place finish in his debut at Coda in 2017. With the points lead under his belt, Merrill has a sight set firmly on his five-race Trans Am West Coast TA2 championship. Joining Merrill on the TA2 podium was 2017 TA2 West runner-up Brad McAllister and Michael Mills making his first Trans Am appearance in the number 55 track fanatic Chevrolet Camaro. Despite battling an early race pit stop that set him back several laps, TA class debutante Tim Adolfson and the number 88 Cybersite slash Craig Roudeman Racing Chevrolet Corvette was able to go the distance, capturing his first Trans Am career victory as he steps up from GT1 competition to pro racing in Trans Am. The step up to the TA class, and one Adelson is enjoying as he works on getting up to speed on the TA platform, confident that more results will come his way as the West Coast Championship progresses. For Oli Thorderson in the number 22 Alvaca Networks Track Spec Chevrolet Corvette, the TA3 win was the fourth of his career, following up on a strong 2017 campaign that saw him secure the 2017 TA3 West Coast Championship. In the TA4 class, Dane Smith win from behind the wheel of the number 28 Bob Smith Motor Ford Mustang capped off a strong debut weekend in Trans Am, securing the class points lead headed into round two at Sonoma Raceway. Three new track records were set during the race. 
a one-minute 36.582 second run by Tommy Dreesey in the T8 class, a one-minute 38.983 second run by Merrill in the TA2, and a one-minute 45.419 by Dane Smith in TA4. The race constituting round one of the 2018 Transient Championship underwent a single full-course caution and completed 36 laps around the 2.8-mile, 21-turn sports car course at Club Speed at Auto Club Speedway for a total of 100.8 miles. The Trans Am West Coast Championship will resume June 1st through 3rd at Sonoma Raceway. Are you a race car driver, crew chief, pit member, track owner, or maybe you're just a huge fan of the sport? Contact either Mike and Lolly or myself to get your spot on the show. After all, you deserve your 15 minutes of fame, and we'd love to give him, to hear from you. In breaking NASCAR news, a prominent driver and two-time guest on the program was suspended from competition following a failed drug test today. GMS Racing was notified that driver Spencer Gallagher gave a positive result from the NASCAR drug screen. GMS fully supports NASCAR's policy on substance abuse, and we do not condone this type of behavior. First and foremost, our entire organization wants to apologize to NASCAR, our sponsors, teammates, and fans due to this policy violation. Spencer has agreed to participate in NASCAR's Road to Recovery program. A substitute driver will be announced at later dates. Mike Beam, president of GMS Racing. Spencer Gallagher replied, I recently have had a positive result in the NASCAR drug screen, which has violated NASCAR's substance abuse policy. I want to assure everyone in NASCAR community that this one-time error in judgment will never happen again. I'm taking the steps to enroll in the Road to Recovery program supported by NASCAR. I would like to say that I'm sorry to all of the GMS organization for my actions, especially my team and team owner, who have worked so hard this year and put faith in me. I also want to apologize to NASCAR, Chevrolet, and my fans for letting them down. I have not upheld this behavior. It is expected of me. I promise you all here and now, I will do whatever it takes to make this right. Today they announced the new driver uh, late this afternoon. It will be Johnny Sauter taking over the number 23 for JMS Racing. He's raced for the team in the past, and he'll be taking over probably for the rest of the year. The all-new IMSA app makes its debut this week, just as the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Champion Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course for the Acura Sports Car Challenge. The app is now available in the Apple App Store for iOS and Google Play Store for Android platforms and offers several enhancements from previous versions. These include an enhanced user experience, social media sign-in, alerts and notifications, and video library access. Highlights of these enhancements include a streamlined interactive experience for real-time updates on race day and updated news and video content. The app, built with the latest technology, uses a live reload feature, enabling fans to immediately see results in real time. The app also features a more agile web-style approach designed to make it easier to use. The app continues to feature the best in live action, with race streaming and car cameras, radio commentary from legendary IMSA radio crew led by John Hindhal, live timing and scoring and session results. Fans will get to use their first Fans will get their first chance to use the new features when IMSA hits the track at Mid-Ohio Friday morning, May 4th. The Acura Sports Car Challenge is scheduled to begin at 1.05 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, May 6th, and can be seen on FS2. IMSA radio coverage can be heard on IMSA.com, RadioLeMans.com, and SiriusXM. 
It took a little longer than anticipated, but Danica Patrick has officially cleared to drive when Indianapolis 500 practice begins on May 15th after completing her veteran refresher test at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Patrick was among three Indy 500 veterans and three rookies who turned laps Tuesday on the 2.5-mile oval. Each successfully passed the testing phases involving progressively increasing speed, like Patrick J. Howard and Sage Karam completed the two veteran refresher portions, while Kyle Kaiser, Matthias, Matt Rice, and Robert Wickens ran through three required rookie passes, phases, phases. Driving the number 13 GoDaddy Chevrolet for Ed Governor Racing, Patrick is back in Indianapolis for the first time in seven years as she looks to conclude a groundbreaking career in the 102nd Indianapolis 500 presented by Pengrade Motor Oil on Sunday, May 27th. Overcoming large temper issues and nail-handling car along the way, Patrick wasn't able to complete her refresher phases until the final 10 minutes of the three-hour session. The 36-year-old admitted she's still not comfortable in the car, citing how heavy the wheel without power steering felt despite her noted fitness routine. She expects to resolve some of the issues during a manufacturer test day on Wednesday at IMS, the final on-track availability on the oval prior to Indy 500 practice opening on May 15th. Howard used Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports teammate James Hinchcliffe's number 5 aeroelectronics Honda to complete his refresher course in fast fashion. Karam is chasing his fifth straight Indy 500 start, driving a fourth-time four-dryer and Reinbold racing. The 23-year-old Pennsylvania finished his refresher as the afternoon session ended. The Indianapolis 500 rookies had the first three hours of the day to complete their programs. Kaiser, driving the number 32 NFP Junkos Racing Chevrolet, breezed through his in less than 30 minutes. Wiggins also resorted to using Hinchcliffe's car to finish rookie orientation after his number six Lucas Oil STM Honda suffered gearbox issues after the first phase. Undeterred, the Canadian posted the fastest lap of the day at 220.111 miles per hour. Least is already a winner on IMS Oval, taking the checkered flag last year in the Freedom 100 Indy Lights race. The 19-year-old Brazilian needed less than an hour to run through his rookie phases in the number four ABC supply, A.J. Foyt Racing Chevrolet. The IndyCar Grand Prix on May 12, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, and the 102nd Indianapolis 500, 11 a.m. Eastern, both are live on ABC and the Advanced Auto Parts IndyCar Radio Network. So how do you feel about the uh, the fact that Spencer Gallagher fa- failed his his drug test for NASCAR on Monday? Well, I mean, like, okay, so this is his first time, but you don't just accidentally fail a drug test. Like, you no. have to be doing something. You, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't accidentally fail a drug test. Mm-hmm. So and if you remember the, the two, and I don't think his career has changed, had changed much between those two times. So it almost seemed like he was he was a little bit off the first time, and he was better the second. So that's kind of kind of odd too. And I'm sure that the that's the sort of thing that NASCAR looks at over time. They realize that their that his personality is a little off. Maybe he's feeling a little weird, and and so he gets a random drug test, and boom, it didn't go well for him this time. Now, does NASCAR do, like, you know, like most jobs where you, if you screw up or they suspect they randomly drug test you, or do does all the drivers submit to a drug test? Like, 
you know, before a race or like you know what I'm saying? I like, think they, do they do random ones. I think they do. It's the thing is everybody does one before the season, and then after that it's sort of a, a random thing, but it's not really random because they have some sort of suspicion. So that's that's how it goes. Hmm. Well, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, how long he's been doing it, like been mm-hmm. doing the drugs that was in the system. Yep, it's kind of... It's kind of a, a bad deal, especially since he seemed like it was a, especially the second time he called, he seemed like it was a pretty nice guy. And he had a, he had a, an awesome team. He's got a, a great sponsor there the, with the Allegiant Airlines, no matter what problems they've had with the aircraft themselves, they've always been really supportive of him and his career. So it's, uh, it's kind of a, a bad mark for NASCAR too. And I'm sure that, uh, that Jay Sauter, although he's happy to get a, a full-time ride, uh, it's not the, not the way that he wanted to get into the truck. No. And does NASCAR actually have, like, a recovery? Like, I mean, like we just read for the show or announced or the information, but do they have, like, their own, like, Narcotics Anonymous kind of stuff going on for their drivers and stuff? They're supposed to, yeah. They've got some sort of a, a program. It's written into the rule book um, as to how it goes, but but it's some sort of thing where it's, it's uh, overseen by people in the who are related to the medical community, probably somebody from, from Daytona, and they, uh, they have to go through certain steps and in order to get reinstated. Uh, well, at least there's something for him to try and look forward to if, you know, it's sad to say, but if this drug of choice doesn't overtake Yeah, I know that the uh, in the past they had A.J. Allmendinger who went through the the road to recovery thing because he took the supposedly he just took one pill or whatever but you know it's uh, he actually went through it and he he did okay but people like uh, Jeremy Mayfield who uh, who we talked to in this program when it first started out he decided not to go through the road to recovery program because he believed that the test was flawed and his career is just pretty much over you can't even find him online anymore he's not racing in local tracks uh, so that's uh, it's kind of tough but that's pretty much how drug drug use is. It's not good for anybody, not good for you, not good for the people around you, and it's just a, a bad deal all around. Yeah, that's a valid point, though. I mean, if you know it was a mistake and, you know, you're not going to just not want to take the steps to attempt to better yourself. Mm-hmm. So it should be a this weekend's going to be a really big big weekend for racing as we as we just stated they've got the NHRA race they've got the the Jax 200 there for the Craftsman Truck Series tomorrow night and they've got the other races going on for NASCAR this weekend plus they've got the the race the IMSA race going on at Mid Ohio so it'll be a pretty awesome weekend um, next weekend is more Indianapolis testing so that'll be pretty cool and coming up in a few weeks they've got the the qualifying for Indianapolis and they've got the Indy 500 coming up. So May is a pretty big week, big uh, big month for racing. Plus, we got the U.S. Nationals coming up this month, and so it's pretty awesome. And hopefully, it'll be a, a really good month for us as well. We've got some some guests lined up for this week this month. And if you want to be on the program featured in the future, please contact either myself or Michael, and we'll get you signed up. Got some great ideas for how to expand the program, and hopefully, everything goes well.
Be sure to check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder, as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at speedwaydigestradionetwork.com. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read the articles covering all aspects of motorsports at speedwaydigest.com. I haven't put out any more articles this week, but last week, since we didn't have the program, we uh, I had the opportunity to go through and post 29 articles to the uh, the racing news section of speedwaydigest.com. I posted a couple more in the past few days, but not very many. So be sure to check that out in the racing news section. We've got all sorts of information there concerning the uh, the uh, FIA, as well as some new new information from NASCAR and a bunch of NHRA information. So be sure to check that out. In addition, if you're a fan of South Florida and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our slice of paradise at Palm Beach Happening, which we found by visiting palmbeach.happingmag.com. We have a bunch of awesome stuff going on there as well. We just posted our vacation guide, which is sponsored by Holo Holo Charters in Kauai. So be sure to check that out. We also have a guide, a brief guide to Sunfest, which is going on this weekend in Flagler Drive. So be sure to check that as well. Um, any other information you want about the Palm Beaches, you can just check the search bar up at the corner of the Palm Beach Happening main page. Type in what you're looking for, and I'm pretty sure that if it happens in the Palm Beaches, we have at least a little bit of information about it. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again next week in the Thunderdome as we discuss the major issues in the world of modern auto racing. Thanks again. Have a great week.